Wednesday that um, I entitled, y'all look at me, what does the Lord desire of you? What does the Lord desire of you? Now point to yourself and say, what does the Lord desire of me? Now we know that we are in this world. We also understand that as believers, as Christians, we're not of this world. Therefore, we are not to conform to the culture of this world system. I like the way uh, New Living uh, Translation uh, renders uh, Romans 12 too. Of course, New King James says that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? That you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And New Living, it renders it this way. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture where you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture where you fit into it without even thinking. It happens. It happens to believers. I said it happens to believers. Because as we're going along in life, we, we have to deal with those things around us. And if we are not careful, those things around us can start to impact us as believers. And so we are to guard against those things. And so how do we guard against those things that are around us every day? I remember... Uh, I used to drive on 95, US 95, just before you get there to the uh, spaghetti bowl, right? And there was a big sign there on US 95, and it actually advertised uh, a, uh, a nude club, right? And they had, I don't know, I never took the time to count them, about seven or eight women with their behinds turned to the public. Do you remember that? Right? And as I drove by there, I would always curse that sign. I say I would curse that sign. So, so when, we, when we talk about what does the Lord require of us as believers? Now understand that you have dominion in this earth. You have authority in this earth. You have the word of God. Uh, 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 Reinhard Bonnke, he said this. He said that God told him the word in your mouth is just like the word in my mouth. <laughs> now you think about that. Well, listen, unless we speak that word out of our mouths, it doesn't have any effect. So I would curse that sign. 
and eventually it came down. You said, well, Darnell, you think that it came down because you would curse it every day? That's what I believe. That's what I believe. And so, and so we, we are not to just uh, house everything that is on the inside of us. It, 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 you go to Word of Life Christian Center for any period of time, you know that Pastor David has always taught you about your authority. He always teaches you about your dominion. He always teaches you to speak the Word of God. And there's much on the inside of you. There's much on the inside of you. But do you know that we don't want it to stay on the inside of you. We want it to come out and have some effect in this world around us, this culture around us that is trying to mold and shape us into its way of thinking, its behavior, its conduct. It's doing it all the time, even without you realizing it. That's why it's so important to stay in the Word of God. That's why it's so important to stay in church. That's why it's so important to stay in the presence of God. And so, what does the Lord require of you? Well, the Lord requires a number of things of us. But one of the things that I have found is that Regardless of what the Lord requires of us, we have to obey what he tells us to do. So, there is an enemy. There is a devil. There is Satan. And just in case you did not know, he is not your friend. He is your enemy. Now, the Bible says, Jesus says, that he comes as an angel of light. So, what does that mean? That means he can appear to be your friend, right? And, and, and some of the things that he say to you through people could very possibly have you to gravitate toward them. But you, you, we have to recognize, again, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. What does that mean? That means that those who are in this world and, and their father is the enemy, there is a limit of what they can say to you, and you take it to heart. It's like, you know, we, we, we have in the church... Um, uh, the ministers on staff who give spiritual guidance, right? And so uh, believers, uh, they come uh, for uh, guidance, but, you know, there are, there are believers who go to uh, uh, counselors of the world. Well, well listen, to, listen to this just for a second. If they are counselors of the world, what type of counseling are they going to give you? Right? So, so am I saying that we are not to, uh, uh, you know, hear what people that are in the world has to say? No, I'm not saying that at all. I am saying that we have to limit what we receive to heart from them. 
we're not of this world. Everybody say, I'm not of this world. No, you're not of this world. So, so, so the devil is endeavoring to bring about separatism. He's, he's about bringing about divisiveness. And he will in, endeavor to get into the church, whatever means he can, to bring about this. This is not something new that's been going on for generations. And so we have to recognize our enemy. We have to recognize and, and identify how he operates. Paul said uh, there in 2 Corinthians 2, he said that we are not to be ignorant of his devices. So a, a good military uh, uh, leader, a good military leader, they are not only uh, going to uh, strategize in terms of what uh, their army is supposed to do, but they are also going to become aware of how the enemy operates. He says that we are not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And, and so many times it seems like, it seems like the church sometimes, uh, those in the church, and we are the church, it seems like we um, don't understand that we have this common enemy, and when he starts to come against one or the other, we seem to sometimes start to come against one another. <laughs> what do I mean by that? I simply mean that the devil comes and he has, uh, you know, this to say and that to say, and, and you know, you have to ab be able to rightly divide the truth, even if it's coming out of a Christian's mouth. Right? I talked about last uh, Wednesday, I talked about how uh, the enemy has uh, infiltrated the church uh, with the, the, uh, the worldly, those worldly things of uh, uh, transgender, uh, uh, transsexual, uh, gender identity. And I, I mentioned how uh, in many churches now in, the, in our that not in this circle, but the circle of the uh, universal church, that there are those who stand in the pulpit, those who are clergy, who are able to actually minister what they have to say out of their mouth to the congregation. Now, I don't know about you, but it is not difficult for me to identify the gender of an individual. And if someone is going to stand before me and they are going to say I identify, uh, if a male stand before me and say I identify as a female, then you have just ended the conversation. You have nothing to say to me any further than that. And there are those standing in pulpits. Listen. I'm not here to uh, knock an individual, the person. I'm here to make us aware of the behavior. And we are not to conform to the culture of this world. And so 
The church is valuable. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. We love everyone. We love all people. But we do not receive and embrace every behavior. So, we want to understand that God requires things of us. I said God requires things of us. So last uh, Wednesday, we looked at uh, two passages uh, there in uh, Micah 6, as well as uh, Deuteronomy uh, uh, 10. So if you would turn to uh, those two passages, Micah, chapter 6, and we're going to look to verse 6. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. Micah chapter 6, verse 6, New Living says, What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yielding calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay, to, uh, to pay for our sins? And verse 8 says, No, O people, or no children of God, that would be us. The Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And if you will look to Deuteronomy chapter 10, Deuteronomy chapter 10, and we're going to uh, read verse 12. Again, this is New Living Translation. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 says this. And now, Israel, and so we personalize this, and we put our name there so we could read it this way. And now, Minister Darnell, what does the Lord your God require of you? Everybody, hold, hold your um, Bible or your device up. Hold it up before heaven and say this. This is my Bible. This is God speaking to me. This is God speaking to me. And this is what God is saying. Thank you, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> he requires only that you fear or reverence the Lord, your God, and live in a way that pleases him and love and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's command and decrees that I am giving you today. Why are you giving this to us, Lord? He tells us, for your own good. For your own good. So we combine uh, these two passages here in uh, Micah 6, uh, 6 through 8, and uh, Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13. And so in combining the, those, those two passages, we compile eight requirements, specific, 
but different requirements that the Lord requires of us. And so, in both of these passages, I want to reemphasize, he says that this is for our good. It's for our benefit, our welfare. So these requirements are for our good. So I'm going to give them to you. We just read them. Requirement number one, we are to do what is right. Requirement number two, we are to love mercy. Requirement number three, we are to walk humbly with our God. Requirement number four, we are to fear or reverence the Lord. Number five, we are to live in a way that pleases the Lord. Number six, we are to love the Lord with all our heart and soul. Requirement number seven, we are to serve the Lord with all our heart and soul. And requirement number eight, we are to obey the Lord's commands and decrees. Or we could say it this way. We are to always obey the word of God. So these are godly character traits that God is saying that I require this of you. I expect this of you. Actually, uh, they, they are instructions uh, given here in these passages, but they are also commands. These are commands that God gives us, the church, believers. And he says that I require this of you. Now, so when he says that it is good, right, then we know that it's going to benefit us in some way. Amen? Amen? Because God is good. But he also said that it's required of us, required of us, the church, believers, you, me. It's required of us. So if it's required of us, then what is that saying? That is saying that this is not just uh, some option that is thrown out there. This is not uh, a suggestion. If it's required of us, then God expects us as believers, he expects us as Christians to carry this out. Amen? So last uh, Wednesday, we looked at requirement number one, which is to do what is good. So we want to move to uh, requirement number two, but I, I, I want to uh, just touch on a couple of scriptures from requirement number one that I believe that needs to be pointed out. So requirement number one, to do what is right. Everybody say, do what is right. <laughs> to do what is right. So, so we quoted there, uh, we went to uh, Proverbs 14, if you recall. Proverbs 14, verse 12. And what does it say? It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And uh, Proverbs 16, uh, similar to that, says there is a path before each person that seems right, but the end is death. So there are things that can appear to be right. There are things in our culture, there are things in this world that can seem right, but the Bible says that it ends in death. So if it just seems right, 
We don't want to go on with what just seems right. We want to go with what is right. It's one thing uh, to just be right. It's another thing to do right. You know, you can say with your mouth, I'm going to do right, and your actions do something entirely different. So there is a right way. There is a wrong way. There is your way, and there is Yahweh. Yahweh is God's way, and God's way is always the right way. So if we are going to follow the Bible, if we are going to follow uh, God, then we are going to have to follow his word. See, you can't, you can't um, be a Christian. You can't say I'm doing, uh, you know, the will of God. You can't say I'm doing the right thing and not know the word. Is that hard to receive? Turn over to um, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and uh, verse 16. Now I'm going to read this from the Amplified Classic Edition. The uh, King James says this. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Amplified Classic renders it this way. Let the word spoken by Christ, the Messiah, have its home in your heart and minds and dwell in you in all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another in all sight all insight and intelligence and wisdom in spiritual things and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs making melody to God with his grace in your hearts. So the word of God, when the word of God is deeply rooted in you, when the word of God is implanted in your heart and you are obedient to the Holy Spirit, you are going to do what is right, what is moral, morally right, what is just, and what is fair. But if you're just going to go on what you are hearing from the outside and you're going to make a decision that that's the right thing to do, that's the right way to go, then you could be going in the wrong direction. And so the Bible tells us, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Well, that means that we are going to have to take time to get the word of God in our hearts. We're going to have to take time uh, to spend time in the word of God if we are going to allow it to dwell in us richly. And uh, actually there, in, uh, that's verse 16 in Colossians, verse 15 says, and let the peace of God rule or reign in your heart. There's nothing that God does in your life that comes without peace. He is peace. And so uh, we make decisions all the time, and we understand decisions have to be made. But are we going to make decisions that seem right, or are we going to allow the word of God to dwell in our hearts and do what's right? So I gave you, I gave you a, a, a definition 
for the word right. I gave you a definition for the word right. I'm going to uh, give it to you again. According to Merriam-Webster's uh, dictionary, the word right means righteous. It means upright. It also means being in accordance with what is just, good, or proper. Being in accordance with what is just, good, or proper. Now, because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you can do what's right. Do you know that your righteousness is of God? Now, we have the righteousness because we have the divine nature of God. So we have the righteousness of God in us, but just because we have the righteousness of God in us, we still have to make a choice to do right. You ever met, run into any Christians uh, who uh, have the righteousness of God in them and they are doing something wrong? So the righteousness of God, we, we have that nature on the inside of us, but we still have to choose to do right. You are as righteous as you're going to get, but you still have to choose <laughs> to do right. There is a way that seems right to a man. No gender pre uh, preference or woman, but it leads to death. So by the word of God dwelling in us richly, then we can do what is right. I say we can do what is right. Can y'all say amen? Amen. Amen. I know, I know this is a, a kind of a solemn message uh, tonight, but it's important because uh, believers get turned in an entirely different direction because they are going on emotions, they are going on uh, the flesh, they are going on what someone else said, what seems right, but the word dwelling in you richly and you'll be an obedient to the Spirit of God, guiding you, directing you, you're going to do what's right. So, so uh, what is doing right? Doing right is simply uh, doing what is morally just and fair. Always. <laughs> not just sometimes, not just something that, that we uh, think or do occasionally, but always doing what is right. Turn to the uh, book of um, Acts chapter 4. Doing what is right means that we treat everyone equally. We don't have a different set of, uh, of uh, what we would call what's right for one and what's right for another. No, it's treating everyone equally. And it's making decisions based on your moral compass and your core values, godly values. Acts chapter 4, uh, reading this from the New King James Version, I'm going to start there in verse 16. Verse 16. Saying, what shall we do? This uh, is about Peter and John. Peter and John, they were going into the temple, and at the gate of Beautiful, there was a, a man who was outside 
of the gate of beautiful who was set there, the Bible says, every day. And this man would beg uh, for alms as people went in. And so Peter and John, they uh, come up on this man and they tell the man, look upon me. And the man, he looks upon them thinking that he's going to get something uh, monetary from them. And Peter speaks to this man, and Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Rise up and walk. And the Bible says that that man's ankles and feet were strengthened as he rose rose up, and he went into the temple walking, leaping, and praising the Lord. Do you know why Peter and John did this with this man? Yes, the Spirit of the Lord was on them. Yes, the Holy Ghost, uh, you know, worked a miracle right there in front of them. But they were doing what was right and what was required of them from God. Walking, leaping, and praising the Lord. So Acts chapter 4 and verse 16, we pick up from there, right? Saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them and is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Verse 18, so they called them, that is Peter and John, they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard, So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So we see here that Peter and John has a choice to make. They have a choice to make and to continue to preach the name of Jesus or listen to the Sanhedrin Council and the Sadducees. I heard someone once say about the Sadducees, sad you see. Sad, don't you see? You know, religion can make you sad. So they had a choice to make. Are they going to listen to uh, what these people are saying? And are they going to uh, conform to the social and culture agenda? Or are they going to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and do what was required of them? Well, you know the story. The Bible says uh, further down in the, uh, the chapter, it says that Peter and John went to their own company. 
and they told them what was going on. And the Bible says that they all lifted up their voice <laughs> unto the Lord, and they said, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word. <laughs> that signs and wonders might be done, and healing might take place in your holy child Jesus. And the Bible says, when they had prayed, everybody say, when they had prayed. When they had prayed, it says that the place where they were assembled together was shaken. <laughs> I love this stuff. It was shaken. And <laughs> Look, and the Bible says that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? Spoke the word of God. Boldly. That was their prayer, remember? Right? But God went exceedingly abundantly and above what they had prayed. And so we see that they had a decision to make. Are we going to listen to the agenda of man, the culture of this world, the, the social agenda of this world system, or are we going to obey God? What is required of you? What's required of us is to obey God. What's required of us is to obey the word of God. What's required of us is to obey the spirit of God. What's required of us is to do what God says to do. And that man was healed and he went walking and leaping and praising God. And that's what we should want to see all the time around us. People walking and leaping and praising God because heaven has been opened, miracles are taking place, and people are getting free from the bondages of darkness in spite of what the world says. Because the world always has something to say. I say the world always has something to say, like posting a sign up on 95 and say, look at this. Yeah, well, I don't want to look at that. Because there is a way that seems right, that seems right. And because the world put a billboard up, up there, what seems right is that you're supposed to pay attention to that billboard. But I tell you right now, what seems right, that has led many men, many men into a place of darkness. Seems right. And, and, and the enemy has imprisoned many men in, into pornography into being unfaithful in their marriage. Many men. No, you come down in the name of Jesus. What seems right, but in the end thereof, it leads to death. There's always an end result that the devil is after. And I tell you right now, it's never good. But say this, y'all. God is always good. Say it again. God is always good. 
So we don't want to do what seems right. We want to do what is right. And the word of God is right. So, so I, I, I don't want to go here again, but I do want to say this concerning this whole uh, transgender uh, gender and movement that has taken place in our nation. And it's so interesting because in, 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 in reading about this, uh, it, it's less than uh, 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 0.6% of the population. But the voice is loud right now in our society. I said the voice is loud. And it's going places where we as the church cannot allow it to go. And that's in our school system. That's in, in, in elementary, in, in kindergarten. It's loud. And we have to say no. We have to do what is right and say no. We have to take a stand against it. We can't just sit back and watch what happens and, and, and just uh, uh, assume that everything is going to be okay. The Bible says, there it is. It says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard. Well, listen, the Spirit of the Lord is only going to raise a standard through the church of the Lord. He's not going to raise a standard unless we, the church, stand against. We are the standard. We are the light. We are the example. And so, now, we love people. But I don't think I have to uh, spend a lot of time saying that that behavior is destructive. It's devilish. It's straight from the pit of hell. And so, I was, I was recently talking with someone uh, about uh, this situation. And um, they had a, a situation where one of their relatives was um, wanting to marry someone of the same sex. And so, you don't, you don't uh, endorse that. Do they stop loving their, their loved one? No, you do not stop loving them. But you don't condone their behavior. And so, uh, that was my instructions to them. You love them, but you let them know clearly that you are against that behavior and what they plan to do. And you can't just um, say, well, you know, others are doing it. Well, in the economy of God, it ain't happening. In God's kingdom, that ain't happening. And we are in the kingdom of God. We are in the body of Christ. We are the church. Saints, can y'all say at least amen? 
So do what is right. Do what is right. I said that I wanted to uh, move on to um, the uh, second requirement, which is to love mercy. And mercy is loyal love. Mercy is kindness. Mercy is God, but that same mercy is on the inside of every believer. So when we talk so firmly against the uh, uh, behaviors and the conducts of um, what is perverse and crooked, we always extend mercy to the individual, to the people. Because we understand that they are in bondage. And we understand who put them there. Our choices obviously are important, and our choices make a difference in the direction that our lives go. And many times people end up in that lifestyle, they end up uh, in bondage because of choices that are made. And I think, I think how many times people who uh, go in that direction what happened at some point of their childhood. So we can't just say, you know, uh, just completely disregard the individual because we don't know the whole story. I said, we don't know the whole story. And so we extend mercy to people. That's what God would do. That's what God did with me. That's what he did with you. Extended mercy. None of us came out of the womb born again. 